Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I'm delighted today to be joined by a fellow Canadian, a person that's been running a successful agency in British Columbia for the better part of a decade called Jelly Marketing. And we're here today to talk about that journey, starting, scaling an agency, and some of the keys to success and learnings along the way. So with that, Darian Kovacs, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's it's wonderful, uh, you know, to go from sea to sea. You and PEI at the Atlantic, and us here in BC <laughs> on the Pacific. With that said, uh, Darian, for everyone that's listening, in your own words, uh, could you describe what you do and who you serve? Sure. Yeah, um, Jelly Digital Marketing is the agency. Um, we tick the areas of kind of SEO, digital ads, PR, both traditional and digital PR, and kind of merge them into one shop. Predominantly serving kind of the small to medium enterprises. And so since that time, you know, you've built a, a pretty successful agency, you've got a, a fairly diverse team, you've worked with some big clients. What have been some of the most important lessons that you've learned taking Jelly from, you know, where it started to where it is today? Well, I, it, probably one of the biggest pieces I, and I still to this day find it really cool is uh, on the growth side, we looked at the opportunities with um, charity events and sponsoring galas. And so you know, if you want to grow, you want to get in front of the right people. You know, when we started, we were basically in the storage closet of this web firm, Domain7. And so we needed to get our name out there. And so we offered various galas who had ticket price points of typically $250 or more. And then we went up to $500 or more tickets and said, we'll do your video. We'll do your photography. Uh, we'll do your uh, swag bag at the end of the night. We'll put a, a jelly jar in everyone's kind of seat because that's a little kind of like gift for all the attendees. And it was great. The response was amazing. And so we had our name alongside all these other brands that were giving, you know, twenty, thirty, hundred thousand dollars to sponsor these galas. And so we came across a lot bigger than we actually were. And at the same time, my grandma has a saying, she's a pacifist, where it's, you know, feed two birds with one grain. There's a more violent version, but at the end of the night, you know, you kind of you're able to, uh, you know, do something really good for the world at the end of the day. And and let's just say we didn't get any leads from it we still were able to give back to an amazing cause. And so we found causes kind of in the lower mainland in BC that we really believed in and were able to help them have less expenses. They didn't have to hire a videographer, a photographer. They didn't have to worry about the swag bag. Um, and it was really cool because continually, still to this day, we have people that are like, man, I saw you at this gala or I recognize that logo. And so going into meetings and rooms, um, we were more recognizable and it built up that trust factor, especially on the business to business kind of pitch side you needed to show that you were uh, trustworthy and a well-known brand, even though you were in a storage closet out in uh, Abbotsford in kind of like the farm area of, of, of town. So I'm really curious with your experience in the industry, a lot of stuff has changed in the last decade, uh, both in the digital marketing landscape and the work that you do, but also in what it means to run a firm. What have been some of the biggest changes that you've had to adapt to over the last decade or so running a firm? And what do you see the future of running an agency looking like? Yeah, I'd probably say two big things we've seen. Um, 
about five years ago, we had a, one of our clients come in and say, hey, I want to learn some of the things that you do. I want to take some of it in-house. We're like, great. And, and they're like, where can I go to learn this? And at the time, there wasn't really a ton of options. Um, uh, you know, Brain Station, Red Academy, and since then, Red Academy has gone bankrupt. But, um, and, and traditional schools weren't offering like SEO or digital ads training or Google ads. And there was some stuff online, but she was like, I want some sort of hands-on education experience. So we offered to do that for her. And so we trained her in that. And we we're like, hey, what if we try it again and train a few other, you know, our other clients? And then we started doing that for clients, groups of, you know, wanted to learn what we do better. And in some cases, they kept us on as a client and just wanted to better understand what we do better. Or in some cases, they insourced it. Um, and then the Canada, in Canada, the Canada Jobs Grant was amazing. They covered 60% of all this training if you're getting your employees upskilled. It was amazing. And then we offered as a, an open cohort learning package and said, hey, if you want to come to this, offer it four times a year. And we started filling up these uh, classrooms. And, and that was the biggest thing. And, and we, because we're out in Langley, it's about an hour outside Vancouver, we started offering it on Zoom. Um, and then COVID happened. And then we already had the Zoom system set up. And so we're still doing, you know, hundreds of students go to our Jelly Academy every year now to learn digital marketing skills, but focusing on these 11 micro-credentials from Google, Facebook, um, Hootsuite. And, and it's amazing because they go through it and then they graduate with like globally recognized universal certificates. There was a TV show that came out called Suits and the character in it was practicing as a lawyer, but never actually passed the bar. Um, famous, got famous because Meghan Markle was in the show, played his girlfriend. Um, and then wife, but the the idea is there's a ton of practicing digital marketers who have yet to get all their credentials. And so some people come to our school just to get those 11 credentials and we just hold them accountable and help them through it. Or some people are trying to break into the market and use those credentials as a way to kind of, you know, bolster up their resume instead of having one branded certificate from maybe a university or college that maybe isn't known everywhere in the world. So that's interesting. It, it sounds like the insight there was that you know, over the last decade or so, the appetite for the clients wanting to actually learn more about digital and, and take on some of the scope of work has increased. And I think you're absolutely right about that. And I've seen other agencies, uh, I think about Impact BND, mostly focused on inbound. They did a very similar thing where they shifted their whole business towards the client is doing the work and they're coaching them through it and really leaned into this insight of like, the thing that's most valuable about what we do is the strategy, the accountability, the framework, and you know the stuff that is undervalued and really that doesn't need to be within our scope of work is a lot of the execution. It sounds like you had a, a similar insight where it was like, hey, we don't see this appetite for clients wanting to, to have more ownership and control over the execution as a threat. We see it as an opportunity. And I think that that's an incredibly important insight with everything we're seeing going on with generative AI, which I think is going to accelerate what you just described, because from my perspective, it's lowering the technical barrier to execution in all of these creative disciplines to a very, very large extent. I'm curious what your perspective is on that um, and how it ties into what we just talked about. Yeah, I, I still think like the credentialing, thankfully, all these groups, you know, have created them like Meta and Hootsuite and Google. The credentials, I, I think, are just as if not more important. You know, in the same way you get red seals if you go in to be an electrician, right? Or you're or a, a cook. If you want to be a lawyer, you pass the bar. If you want to be an accountant, you got to get your CA. I think we're, we're almost there where people who are going into digital marketing and marketing are starting to get certificates. The Canadian Marketing Association has the, uh, you know, 
you know, CM designation. And so those pieces and elements, I think, are more crucial than ever because there are so many folks who can use AI or can say, I'm a, you know, they always use the term ninja or I'm a guru, right? And they work out of their basement or they work in their closet and it's, and it's scary, right? Like the whole fact we see so many people who have been taken advantage of or have really poor service done for them or, you know, the work is done by quote unquote an agency here, but is outsourced to Fiverr. And so how do we raise the bar for industry, have our industry taken more seriously because there's people who are getting their designations and their certificates and the education is taking itself a lot more seriously. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, there, there is, uh, there has historically been very little, um, mechanism in marketing, but especially in digital marketing to validate somebody's skill set because there hasn't been a, a traditional way in which, you know, you can't go to university. Well, at least you couldn't over the last two decades, go to university and get an SEO certificate to your point. Um, so that is really important. Um, and I think there's another, there's another thing I want to double click on here, which is this insight. And this is something I have a very strong point of view on, which is the last two decades, we have been really focused as an industry on specialization. Everybody's talking about niching down, you know, picking the things that you're really good at from a service perspective, serving clients, you know, that have a specific problem. And now, you know, that's a fairly well adopted way of thinking. Everyone's kind of doing it. My perspective is that's kind of become table stakes. And the next place that as an agency, we need to start specializing. And it sounds like you've kind of started to lean in this direction is understanding what are our strengths as a business operationally. And let's lean into that. And so the example that I'll often use is like, there's the agency that's really good at, at execution. So they lean into doing white label stuff. And then there's the agency that's not actually great at execution, but they're great at sales. They're great at strategy. And so it's about segmenting off, like, what are we actually good at? What's the most valuable thing that we do? And specializing beyond just the problem you solve, but specializing at the business unit level. And it sounds like that is something that you've organically started to lean towards with the introduction of this more educational component. It sounds like that brings your services much more to a strategic kind of position. Um, what are your thoughts on that? How has that evolved over time for you? Yeah, we ended up uh, splitting out the actually the training from our agency into its own company called Jelly Academy now. Um, but we've seen less and less people doing the training in-house. More of our training now is to get people into the industry, which has been really, really cool. So majority of our students now on the Jelly Academy side are, I want to break into this industry. Uh, a lot of students are, hey, I, I was in the industry but I'm coming back after a mat leave or whatever reason, and I want to kind of get recertified, kind of upskilled. Or they're saying, I'm in the industry now, and I want to prove that I know what I know. And so with that, the, um, you know, hopefully, you know, the, the kind of raising tide rises all boats, and our industry is taken more seriously. We could continue to charge what we charge or maybe charge more because we are professionals who have an incredible gift and specialization and a special skill and a craft. That should be taken, not just some SEO guy rubbing, you know, oil from a snake on a, on a screen and, and hoping for the best. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. 
So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. You know, what's really interesting about that is uh, I would imagine that a lot of people at first glance that run a firm would think, why would I want to create so much competition for myself? But I would imagine that, and you tell me if I'm wrong, doing this has elevated your brand at Jelly and your authority. People see you as being more authoritative because you now have the certification that you're, um, I guess, giving to other people. It's like you are seen as the source of information for this stuff. And I would also imagine that it's created a pretty great talent pipeline for you. You get a first look at all these people that come through this program and get certified that might be looking for work. And I would imagine that it's not very hard for you to find skilled people to bring into the firm when it's time for you to do that. Um, so I, I love the perspective that you have on this, which is, you know, this tide rising all ships. What has your experience been with that, with, you know, how this has either cannibalized or actually improved the business? And how did that differ from what you might have expected when you started the, the Jelly Academy? Yeah, I, it's funny. We hasn't really improved our business in that we've, because they're two separate companies. If anything, it's, I'm, it's distracted me from the agency a bit. But, um, but the, and the timing's awkward because we put out grads so many times a year. But if, when we have a need, if it doesn't line up with when we produce grads, our grads get hired so quick. We sometimes miss the boat. And so, you know, LinkedIn put out a report this year. It's the fastest growing job in Canada right now is growth marketers. Um, and it's incredible study just looking at all the job postings that are going up. And so having this separate company, we also know that we're biased. And so we end up creating a digital marketing sector council. So we've got about uh, 2,400 members that review and uh, look at our syllabi every quarter, look at our learning outcomes, look at the certificates we provide. And so it, it's the best and worst thing about our school because our school is constantly updated every quarter, but it also means we have to update it every quarter. And sometimes we have to take stuff out because it's out of date. We have to update it. And I think that's what's unique about our education angle is that it's something that most post-secondaries and other schools can't do because they're limited in half and they can update their syllabi and curriculum. And, and thanks to agencies across Canada that are reviewing, giving feedback, and then they, in turn, you know, whenever we graduate a cohort, they are able to kind of see and hear when these grads come out. So it's great for everyone because industry gives the focus and the lead and students have this amazing pipeline to get hired right across the country, let alone the world. Mm. I can imagine that that is essential to this space because of how quickly it changes. I think about, you know, something like, you know, the, the most recent example that everybody's talking about is this generative AI coming into the space, but like that changes a lot of things very quickly. And I can only imagine how stale a curriculum would oh. get if it was on the same kind of update cycle that you would see in traditional education. Man, I, I contributed to, I won't say, but Canada, one of the largest textbook publishing companies our country and for a very important course. And, and I gave it, I said it with a caveat. I was like, Hey, just, you know, this is probably going to expire in like three months. And then by the time they published, it was like eight months later. And I was like, man, everything I sent in, like 80% of it's like old, like expire. It's not relevant anymore. And so I do feel bad for, you know, it, it, but it's the old model, right? And, and it, I think it's changing slowly. And so, but I still think our role as a micro-credentialing school is a kind of industry focused, industry demand school needs, still needs to focus with post-secondaries and that they can take this job-ready hard skills, get those certificates that are industry-recognized, but still post-secondaries can give them leadership training, management training, some of those soft skills that they need so they can kind of become VPs and managers and CMOs across this country. Hmm. 
How do you see the kind of the prevalence of credentialing changing the industry landscape? Um, if I think historically, the most dominant example of this has been HubSpot. Mm -hmm. They were kind of the first organization, I think, to really get mainstream adoption with credentialing. Prior to that, you kind of had, um, you know, Infusionsoft was doing some of this and, and you saw a little bit of it, but it wasn't to the same scale. You know, you've seen StoryBrand and a couple of other, you know, organizations try to do this, but it, I don't think it's really um, gotten to a point yet where it's something that you have to have as an agency. How do you see that evolving over time and, you know, the landscape for credentialing becoming the standard in the industry? Yeah. Or do you think that'll ever happen? I, I hope it'll. That's my dream and hope in the next 10 years to kind of like push out the, you know, quote unquote ninjas and gurus uh, that have really kind of soiled our industry and, and caused us to have to, you know, come into a client meeting who's been a client who's been really hurt and damaged by someone who took advantage of them, right? Or, or a large media outlet that was like, we can do digital marketing. We'll just hire these, my nephew and niece, right? Who <laughs> just graduated high school and they, they know how to use the internet. They know how to surf the World Wide Web. And so we have to go in and kind of like we, we have to charge less. They're hurt. They're broken. And we go into these more kind of contentious relationships. But if we can go in and say like, hey, this is where we're professional. And that's where groups like I think Google um, and in some senses meta, but Hootsuite as well. Hootsuite's unique one. Instead of them just promoting their product through their Hootsuite social media marketing certificate, they've kept it agnostic and generic. And, and the hard thing, some of HubSpots are good, like shout out to HubSpot, but some of it is very like, product-centered. And in the same way, Hootsuite has product-centered training. But when a, when a certificate can be generic, and the problem with Google is like, we can't get away from Google unless for some reason you're really into like seniors marketing and they all bang and, you know, that's your focus. But the Google's, we all need Google Analytics. Like it's almost like going into work in Quebec or working with the government and you don't know French, right? So it's almost like if you're doing anything in marketing today, you at least need your Google Analytics certificate at the very least. And so at least that's become kind of a norm to say, this is the language of our industry, which is analytics. Um, and it's been really cool in the sense that the second thing I was going to say that I've seen the shift in the industry is that I think since BLM and, and uh, the awareness of kind of like diversity and, and lack of diversity in our industry is getting more diverse voices into our industry and those credentials are able to open those doors. Um, whereas before traditionally... You need a you know needs a post secondary degree or you need a you know most people are realizing you don't need a post secondary degree to get into digital marketing get into agency work and so um, you know one one of the biggest kind of shocks for me during kind of the last few years was we have a podcast called Marketing News Canada we created like this little kind of publication on the side in order to get Heritage Canada funding and support but we were like hey let's do a Marketing Hall of Fame award It'd be really cool some fun. Um, celebrate some rad people. And we're like, you know, as you do, let's look at the competition. And we studied the existing, I think at the time it was 18 marketing awards across Canada in PR, communications, all of them. And every single jury member and winner in the last three years up to then were all white, ever, only white. It was like a whites only club. And, and then, and women only represent just less than 10% of those winners and jury members. And so, we again, I again was shocked and really hurt and really sad because I thought I was part of this like super artsy, diverse, inclusive industry, right? And I, mean, I was blind to it, right? And I felt by it bad that in my, in my ignorance, I didn't realize that you know our industry is just as racist as any other, right? And I, I maybe I just thought we were beyond that, or because we're artists and creatives, but so we created an award and 
realized that like we had our first jury, first Canadian jury members that were not white ever, first winners that were non-white in a marketing award in Canada. And, and you know, it was awesome, but also sad that we were the first. Um, but we're trying to figure out how do we get those diverse voices instead of just hiring consultancies to give you those diverse voices. What if you had them working at your agency, at your water cooler, on your Slack channel with you, on your team's chat? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a really important perspective. I'll be the first to admit, you know, going through my own podcast guest list, you know, you run through the list and I'm like, there's not a lot of diversity here. And of course, part of that is it's it's representative of the sample. And that that is innately the challenge, right? How do we change that sample? How do we get more, more people involved in the industry and in leadership positions in the industry? Because, um, you know, we recently did a speaker reel for me. And in doing that, we had to go through, you know, a whole bunch of other podcasts that I've been on. And we had the same issue. The video came back and I was like, wow, this is alarming. Like I didn't realize how bad it was until it was all compressed into like a a 90 second video. And it was just a lot of homogeny. So I resonate with what you're saying. Um, (laughs) I don't, obviously like there's not a whole lot that I can say about this other than I've seen it. And I think that credentialing, you know, does present a really good opportunity to, to introduce a way to get more of those people involved in the industry. What else do you think needs to change? What other things do you think can be effective in improving the representation of other groups in, in our industry? Yeah, I, I think even just this, right? Like you, you, I might be your first indigenous person on your show, which is very exciting, right? And, you know, getting voices that are um, maybe not usually in the, you know, mainstream outlets, but also I think maybe kind of even leaning in and intentionally saying, hey, we want to hire people to work at our agency that have a diverse perspective because two things happen. One is you get a really creative, different perspective. And one cool thing about Indigenous um, people right across the country, when you hire them, they have an innate, really built-in skill and taught skill of storytelling. You know, it's, it's you know, you get taught storytelling from a young age, you you pass down story to story. Uh, mentorship has always been a big part with elders in your community who have taught you things and passed on. And so you get this innately in a person. Um, secondly, um, you begin to see more creative ways and perspectives instead of getting kind of the typical same old, same old creative ideas and perspectives and slants. All of a sudden you're getting all these different slants and voices and sensitivities to days that your clients could be celebrating to ways that we could look at an issue or things that we should be more sensitive to. And in turn, it makes your agency more profitable. It makes your agency more interesting when you go to pitch meetings, when you go to present ideas, when you go to service your client. If you show that you are an agency that has um, kind of a holistic look at life and holistic look at ways of looking at a problem, clients love it. And I want to echo, you know, my experience with this as our team has gotten more diverse internally the thing that's really stood out to me is how easy it is to not realize what you're missing out on by not having those voices at the table. Because it's not about things that you're getting or not getting. It's really, it's like the things that you didn't think of before they were around to say, hey, have you thought about this? Hey, I noticed that there are only white dudes in this video. And it's like, I didn't even see it until you brought it up. And that is inherently the problem, right? We all kind of have our own perspective. And it wasn't until we had more diversity on the team that there were a whole bunch of things that we didn't even realize were going on or that we were doing or that we were not noticing 
that were being brought to our attention that were really important and did improve the way that we approach things and the way we executed and how thoughtful those things were. So I can totally echo that experience. And it's something that becomes more and more important, you know, as we as we scale. No, 100%. And in groups like we've worked now with like RBC and BDC and even some agencies across Canada have now sponsored students to go through the program um, in order to get um, diverse voices into the industry, let alone they want to hire them. Say, hey, I want to sponsor some students and I want to offer them an internship or a co-op, a practicum right after they graduate because I want them at our shop. I want them here to speak into what we're doing and how we're growing and where we're going. So two things, you know, again, feed two birds with one grain. Not only do you get uh, an amazingly trained person with 11 credentials, but then you're also getting someone coming to your shop who's got a very unique, very, um, I think, awesome perspective on life and storytelling and growth. Now, I don't know if we covered this in detail, but what was the impetus for starting the Jelly Academy? You know, it was it was a client came to us and said, could you train me to do what you do in-house? And then we said, hey, I wonder if we could offer this as like a general classroom and it just grew from there. When did you know that this was something that was going to be, that was going to have staying power that you were going to really invest in? I think, what, well, I think part two things. One, COVID happened and we already had the course on Zoom and we realized people were wanting to learn digital marketing because people were hyper rocketing into e-commerce. And then the second thing we saw was um, Red Academy went bankrupt. And, and I think this massive hole was in the market and opportunity. And I think we, cause we always ran it as like a project and as kind of way to help the industry, it was never a business model like red. So it wasn't, we didn't worry about that side of it. So we were always going to do it no matter what, even if it wasn't a thing, cause we're like, this is important. And then we realized, okay, we should probably create a separate company just this last year. We did it. Cause we're like, this is its own thing. This is its own company and its own organization and has a different kind of like perspective and model and, financials and all that stuff. So we've covered a lot of ground today, Darian. We've talked about kind of the origin story of Jelly, the origin story of Jelly Academy. We've talked about credentialing, the importance of that, the changes that you've seen in the industry. And we've also spent a little bit of time talking about diversity, the importance of that, and how it's being supported by credentialing. For those that want to learn more about you and Jelly Academy, uh, where should we send them in the show notes to to follow you and get more information? Uh, one thing to shout out though too, there's another Canadian, shout out to, I don't know how many Americans listen to the show, but who is doing work in America. So a guy, Ryan Reynolds, might know him from Deadpool uh, or other such romantic comedies, um, runs a thing that says called Creative Ladder. So he they did a study in the US and found that most, and they were kind of focusing on African-Americans going into the ad industry. And so if you get, check out what they're doing with mentorship and support, because they found most people didn't realize at 14 that working in the ad industry was an option. And so the work he's doing in the US and even just what he did with the Adam Project with Netflix in Canada, with getting diverse people behind the scenes working in film uh, is incredible. So again, the stuff with Creative Ladder and Ryan Reynolds has been a huge inspiration to the work that we're doing. But yes, if you'd like to learn about the work we're doing in Canada, predominantly with Indigenous um, people going into the industry and and other diverse voices, uh, Jelly Academy, uh, .com. Um, I'm typically on LinkedIn. Um, I don't have a pager anymore or a fax number, which I wish I could give you or a carrier pigeon receiving stand. But uh, LinkedIn is typically where I am. Or, uh, and I don't know if I'm going to stay on Twitter. I'm there, but I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to stay. We'll see. We'll see. 
<laughs> All right. Well, we'll link uh, Jelly, Jelly Academy and your LinkedIn. You're very active on LinkedIn. So definitely check that out for those that want to connect with you and learn more. Uh, Darian, I appreciate you making the time today. I, I really enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to chatting again Thank soon. You. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener and we will see you on the next episode.